Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus across this place. Come on. Man, we are so excited that you guys are here today. I mean, God is doing some amazing things in our church. And so we're just pumped about what is happening. And we're closing out the Reframe series today because we just wrapped up the Reframe conference yesterday. And uh, man, I, I, man, God changed some people's lives forever this past weekend. And so, man, we are so excited about what God is doing in people's lives. And so uh, and then we celebrate with baptisms. And I mean, this is, is going to be a, a Holy Ghost weekend, man. Y'all better watch out. And so we are super excited. Uh, my wife has changed me. I'm not going to lie to y'all, okay? Uh, when we got married, uh, I really thought that I was going to be the one changing her. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now you go into a marriage, you're like, oh, this person's going to have to change a little bit if they want to be with me. False, all right? Um, and so my wife loves her couch and the four walls of her home. Anybody relate? Like, all right, so where are the people people at? Extroverts, where are you at? You ready to just be around people all the time? All right, where are the people that are like, I can't, I'm counting down the seconds until I can get back to my couch. Where are y'all at? All right, that's, <laughs> my wife is in y'all's tribe, okay? You got people with you. And my wife is, my wife is that way. And so, but here's what I know, man. I, I, when we first got married, I wanted to be out of the house all day, every day. Let's go party with whoever we can find. Let's go out to eat constantly. You know what I'm saying? And then slowly I was thinking like, man, she's going to want to, once she gets around me and our people, she's going to want to party with us. That didn't happen. Now at the end of every day, I'm like, you know what I could really use? My couch. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so now I've, I've kind of gotten to that point. The other day, we were sitting on the couch. We, we started watching uh, House again. Uh, so if you, if you know the show House, we started watching House. He's a doctor. He's a doctor that's kind of a jerk. And if I ever thought I was going to be a doctor, that's the kind of doctor I would be. Um, and so I, we were watching House the other day, and she looked at me, and she goes, are you okay? I was deep in thought. You know what I mean? Like, you, like that staring off into space, like, type of moment and I was deep in thought and she goes are you okay and I was like yeah yeah I'm fine she's like well what's going on I'm like I'm trying to remember how to spell the word tomorrow <laughs> like is there two m's are there two r's like you know come on help me out y'all know what I'm talking about don't look at me like that this because autocorrect started helping y'all don't mean you know how to spell it yet right uh and there's another word that I stay away from constantly the word affect Okay, see, y'all know what I'm talking. Which one do you use when? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, so I just switched to the word impact. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does this affect, effect, how, how does this impact you? That's what I want to hear. Because here's the reality, right? As intelligent as we've gotten over the years, there are still some things we can't quite figure out. Am I right? Like, there are still some things that we look at, and I'm like, is it effect? Is it effect? I don't, you know, tomorrow, is there two M's? Is there two R's? Is it two M's and two R's? How many O's? I don't know. I'm lost, all right? The only reason I can spell Mississippi is because in elementary school, there was like M, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter. Crook. Okay, so, <laughs> so I say all that to say it doesn't matter how intelligent we've gotten over the years. There are still some things we have a hard time figuring out. Am I right? And I think one of the things that we have the hardest time figuring out in our life is how to see the bigger picture when all we can see is the smaller one. And so here, 
Here we find ourselves connected and resonating with all these things going on in our life. And, and how about you? Maybe you've been hung up on seasons of your life where there was a, a, you knew there had to be a bigger reason why you were going through certain things. But in the moment, all you could see was what was right in front of you right now. And so as we've unpacked that, I started asking questions this past week to some of the, some of the people in our church and just on Instagram. And here's the question that I asked. What do you hope people see when they look at your life? What do you hope people see when they look at your life? And we got tons of great answers, but here's some of the answers that we got. The first one is hope and joy. Like, I hope people see that, that my life is full of hope and joy. Some people said stuff like, I hope they see a better version of me than what I see in me. And I think that, man, there's so many people that can resonate with that. Some people said, I hope that they see God in my life. And I think a lot of us can resonate with that. I hope they see happiness and stability. I hope that they see joy and peace, someone to be proud of, um, someone who works hard. I hope they see kindness. Um, I hope they see, and this one came in, this, was, this one kind of came in almost a dozen times. I hope they see someone who's available for other people. I hope they see someone that's just there for people. Um, and I think a lot of us can resonate with that. I hope that they see my worth. And that's what some of the answers got I hope that they see someone that tried their hardest and never stopped showing up. And I think a lot of us can resonate with some of those types of answers. But here's the one answer that was the common thread through all of them as we looked at so many of what was coming through. And most every answer said, I hope they see someone whose life made an impact on others. I hope they see someone whose life made an impact on other people people. And, and I want you to think about it for a second. How many of us is deep down in our core, there's a, a huge desire that our life wouldn't just be about ourselves, right? Like there's, there's a desire in us. It's like, man, like I, I hope people actually show up at my funeral. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope people actually have something nice to say, you know, like I hope that, I hope my life makes an impact on Others And so there's this, there's this desire for that. And one of the cool parts is there's actually, God actually kind of put that in you. Um, there's a desire that psychologists call a transcendence need, where every person has a need at their core that their life would live and go beyond just themselves. They have a desire. It's not just a desire. There's a need that needs to be fulfilled in their life, which is the reason why when you see people digging wells in Africa, right, you're, part of you is like, man, I kind of want to go to Africa. You know what I'm saying? And then they're like, you can literally not drink in any of the water. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go to Africa, right? Right? Like, they're like, there's no food. You're like, no, no, right? Like, but, but there's this thing in us that when we see other people making a difference in people's lives, what does it naturally do to us? inspires us because it taps into the same thing in us that they've tapped to in them. And so for all of us, there's this need to be part of the bigger picture. But here's what we've started to hone in on as we've navigated this reality is this idea that when we look at the Bible and then we look at our life, say the Bible, Bible. say my life. When we look at the Bible and then I look at my life, it's easy to start feeling like the Bible is opposed to my joy. Like how many of you grew up in Christian circles where uh, the Bible was a list of restrictions of all the fun things you couldn't do? Right? Come on, help me out. Don't get like that. Y'all know y'all was part of that crowd, right? Especially, uh, I feel like the generation before us had it a little worse than we did. You know what I mean? They're like, the movies? 
absolutely not. Right? Any environment where you get to smile, forget it. Right? And, and now, now, luckily, our generation, we've been able to, our, uh, the generation before us has helped us move past that legalism a little bit. But if we were all honest, part of us feels like there is a portion of the Bible that is opposed to the joy and the happiness we're trying to pursue. Trevin Wax says it like this, the Bible is actually for your joy, not opposed to it. The thing about our joy that we have to understand is the Bible does a very good job at helping us understand what true joy is as opposed to temporary happiness. Because how many guys have been happy before but you still lack joy? But how many have ever had joy before even in seasons where you may not have been very happy? And so the Bible is for our joy. And so I want to help you out with a few things today as we start understanding the bigger picture. Because God's desire is that we would see the bigger picture for our life. Say bigger picture. Look at your neighbor and say bigger picture. All right. So God's desire is that we would see the bigger picture for our life. And so I want to help you out with a few things as to how we're supposed to do that. Number one is that the bigger picture is about the story more than it's about your story. The bigger picture is about the story more than it's about your story. Say the story. So it's about the story. What story am I talking about? Well, if we go to Genesis 1-1, we see who the story is really about. Because it says, in the beginning, God. So if you want to know what the story is all about, God. If you want to know what the whole point of your story, guess what it is? God. So in the beginning, God, because God is the whole point of the story. And, and hear me, we're going to talk about this more in a second. But if the sooner we can grab a hold of the reality that my story is really just a small part of his story, we can start to resonate with my story's place in the bigger story. But here's our temptation. Are you ready? Our temptation is to make my story the whole story. And when we make my story the whole story, when I don't get what I want in my story, the whole story is gone to pots. Come on, help me out. When I don't get what I want, when he didn't answer my prayer my way, what do I start doing? God, you don't even care. This whole thing's falling apart. God says, the whole thing ain't falling apart. Your thing is falling apart. But your thing was going to fall apart whether or not I gave you what you wanted or not. What I'm actually doing is guarding you from the thing that would destroy you if I gave it to you so that you can have the ultimate thing that you really need. And you may not be able to see it yet, but as long as you think it's about the, as long as you think about your story more than you think about the story, you're missing out on the bigger picture. See, God's desire is to show up in a way that something happens beyond just the desires of your life. But how many of us, how many, how many of you are like me? It's so easy to get caught up on me, my, I. Come on, help me out. Right? It's so easy to get caught up in what I want and what I need, the prayers that need to get answered my way. Come on. Some of us get frustrated at our spouse when we don't get to eat at the restaurants we want. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Right? Right. Anybody ever had your mind set? You were going to this place. You're going to get that pizza at that place because it has those pepperonis, the right amount of grease, cheese. Come on, help me out. When you grab the first slice, it does the whoop thing. You know what I mean? Like... Come on, y'all the goofy movie? Hey, like, has a big, 
the cheese stretch. Come on. And you're like, you made up your mind, and you, and you get home, and your friend or your wife or somebody is like, I, I think I want a burger. And you're like, a burger? Why? It wasn't that burgers are bad. You just made up your mind that this other thing over here was what was good. And maybe in our life, when God introduces things to us, it's not that they're bad. It's just that we've so made up our mind that this thing over here is what's good. And God's saying, what if that's not the thing that I want for you? What if the thing I want for you is actually over here? And so what we have to understand is it's about the story more than it's about my story. But then the second thing that we have to understand today is that the designer came to free you, not confine you. The designer came to free you, not confine you. And I think our computer's freaking out. That's why that's not changing. So uh, bear with them, all right? But the designer, say designer, came to free you, not confine you. And for so many of us, we've bought into the lie that What Jesus came to do is put more shackles on us from what we want to do, not understanding that what he actually came to do is free us from the bondage of the things that hold us down. I'll prove it to you. How many of you, since you started maybe believing in God, giving yourself to God, any of those things, how how many of you have ever found the place where once you started pursuing God, you also started some things that you wanted? And as soon as you started going after those things that you wanted, you finally got a chance to obtain it. And as soon as you got a chance to obtain it and you did, you realized it didn't do nearly as much for you as you thought it was supposed to. Here's the reason why. Because anything we obtain outside of the desires of God don't free us, they enslave us. Because now the joy or happiness that we felt when we got them has to be repeated because it's only temporary. So now I have to get it again. So that's why your promotion, although may be good for you, if that's the ultimate joy in your life, guess what you need next? Another promotion. And guess what you need after that? Another promotion. Because you found joy not in what God is giving you. You found joy and the temporary things of your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 um, says this. Come to me, all you who are weary. Say weary. weary. Anybody ever been there before? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Anybody ever been burdened before? Anybody ever feel like you had too much on your shoulders? Weary and burdened. And I will give you, what is this word? Rest. Now, Parents, I, I used this analogy this past weekend, but parents can really understand this. Or even if you're not a parent, maybe you got a niece or a nephew or you've just been around a three-year-old before, right? How many guys know there's a difference between like rest, like I just woke up, and the type of rest when your toddler finally goes to sleep and you get to go, <sighs> am I right? Like there's a different, there are different types of rest, right? There's rest where your body feels rested, and then there's a rest where your soul feels rested, And that's the type of rest that he's talking about. Not that you would wake up feeling like you got nine and a half hours of sleep, but but that you would, even even though your body could be tired, your soul could be at peace because you know you've surrendered to someone better than yourself. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Take what I want you to carry upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, there's that word again, say it with me, rest for your soul. 
a rest that resonates deep down in your core that even when life isn't going right and even though your job's going crazy and even though your kids have lost their mind and even though all those things may be happening, there's still an unusual peace that's going on inside of you. How amazing is that, that we can tap into something that goes beyond ourselves. You can find rest for your souls for what I want you to carry, my yoke. What I'm placing on you, it's not heavy. God says, what I'm placing on you, it's not to confine you. What I'm placing on you, it's not to enslave you. What I'm placing on you isn't religious obligations. What I'm placing on you isn't a confinement. What I'm placing on you isn't a burden. What I'm placing on you isn't to trap you. What I'm placing on you isn't to say no to everything you want. What I'm placing on you is actually lighter to carry than what you're trying to place on you. And so he says, my yoke is easy and my, my burden is light. And so the, the reality is that our designer, God, he frees us because the pursuit of everything we want actually kind of puts us in a bondage. And so when we go back to Genesis 3 in the Bible, and we've read this story before, but we look at Eve in the garden who ate the fruit even though God told her not to eat the fruit because, ladies, y'all be tripping, man. I had to get that off my chest. I just felt like that was a moment for me with you guys. No, like, no, like, because we're in the garden, which for the record, God told man not to eat of the garden, uh, that tree. And so actually, never mind, we're not going to go there. That's a different sermon. So even the garden, but there's, there's four types of bondages. I just want to give them to you quickly. We're not going to spend a ton of time on these, but four types of bondages. I just want to give you real quick. The first one is the bondage of pursuit, the bondage of pursuit where you are in a constant state of wanting something more can anybody resonate with that i've got a 2008 tundra it's a nice truck i won't lie to you i like my truck it's got a six inch lift on it so i feel like i can crush anyone in my way other than a truck that has an eight-inch lift, all right? Then I'm like, e-, you know? Uh, but so I, I look over traffic. I don't look at traffic, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I, I've got a good truck. I like it. It's paid for, so I really like it a lot. And so, uh, and so uh, you know, every once in a while, though, I see a Genesis GV80 driving down the road. And I started to get bitter in my heart. You know what I'm talking? I'm like... Man, I could, I could really use one of those. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm looking at him like, man, if I had a white one that was blacked out, stormtrooper, black windows, black wheels, black vents, leather interior, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then I realized that the monthly payment is far more than I'm willing to pay right now. <laughs> right? And so I go get in my truck and I crank my truck, which cranks just fine, by the way. Right? And I'm looking at it, and the dashboard is dusty. There's wrappers from a month ago in the cup holder that bottles have continually just sat on top of, so they're just really, they're down there. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Right? And so I'm, I'm like, man. And the more I look at what I'm discontent with, the more I want something that I probably shouldn't have right now. And I think that is the pursuit, the, the, the bondage of pursuit is to constantly be looking at what you don't have rather than acknowledging what you do have. Eve was in the garden and God said, you can have all of this, you just can't have this. And she's going, oh my gosh, God, why would you put me in such bondage? Why would you resist such good things from me? And God's like, literally anything else. And she's like, but what I want is this. And he's like, anything else. Like, I feel like, you know, the meme, the meme was like, bruh, I feel like God does that to us. Okay. So he's, 
she's like, but, and, and here's the thing. We find ourselves in bondage when we're more concerned about what we don't have than being grateful for what we do have. So there's the bondage of pursuit, but then there's the bondage of imperfection. And the bondage of imperfection is, is how we constantly see our flaws. How when we look in the mirror, we only see the imperfect parts of ourselves. We only see the things about us that's not right. We only see uh, the problems about our, ourselves. And so uh, what do we do is I, I look in the mirror at myself thinking I'm the problem because nothing I seem to obtain brings true joy. And so since nothing I can do and nothing I can obtain brings joy, obviously I'm the problem. But the reality is there's a bondage of imperfection when we constantly think that we should be obtaining something that never actually gets us to feeling like we're perfect. Because perfection isn't something that is tamed, it's something that can be given. And it can only be given by the one who has perfection, which is Christ. And so here we are chasing after something we could actually never get. And so we find ourselves consumed with this bondage of imperfection. And, and in the garden, Eve found the same thing. So as soon as she ate the fruit, they grabbed the fig leaves, sewed them together to cover themselves up because they realized when they looked at themselves that they were, they realized now that they were something they shouldn't have been before. Which leads us to the bondage of shame. The bondage of shame. How many of us have ever found ourselves absolutely consumed by the gripping reality that we are not what we wish we were? And for how many of us does it cause us to hide from God and God's people? I'm not getting in a group. Because the second I get in a group, they're going to realize that the mask I put on on Sundays isn't the real me. Can I help you out for a second? Ain't nobody the real them from Sunday morning. If you have a version of you on Sunday that's different from the version of you Monday through Saturday, will you raise your hand real quick? So look around and find great comfort. One more time, raise your hands if that's you. That's you. Some of y'all lying. Some people at home raised their hand. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody on their couch was like, yeah, dog, that's me. No, like, so what do we, I mean, we, we have a bondage of shame. Why? Because there's a gripping reality that who we are oftentimes in front of people and who we are when we look in the mirror. Hear me. Even if they're not completely different, we feel like they're different. And so we hide ourselves with shame, which brings us to the fourth one, which is the bondage of isolation. And I think this is, this is the outcome of the other three all culminated together, that because we find ourselves uh, pursuing after things that don't fulfill us, and then when we obtain the things that don't fulfill us, we realize that we're still imperfect after we've obtained them. So now we're imperfect with what we've accomplished and what we've ashamed. Uh, we consume ourselves with shame, and so then we start hiding in shame. And the very thing that God desires, the only thing God desires that we don't do is the one thing that we do, and that's go into extreme isolation. We isolate ourselves completely from God and God's people, and we start hiding from the only one that can help. How interesting is it that sin constantly puts us in a place where we go, because I'm not godly yet, I'm hiding from God. And God's saying, the only way you can become godly is to come to God. Isn't it interesting that the enemy has convinced us that we're supposed to be fish that get clean before we're caught? That we're supposed to be completely clean before we get in the shower. We're supposed to be in that state where we're constantly being renewed without God so that we can come to God. But God says, no, no, you come to me so that you can have that renewal. John uh, 8, 31 through 32 says this. 
He says, if you abide, if you rest, if you come to me, if you, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, we love the last part of that verse in churches. Come on, anybody ever raised in, help me, if you were raised in like Pentecostal charismatic churches and somebody has spit that on you before, come on, help me out, right? The truth will set you, and you're like, listen, brother, y'all, you got to chill out, right? The truth will set you free, and you're like, okay, the truth is going to set me free, but what, what we forget is like that there's a portion of the truth setting us free that it comes from being from, with the one that knows the truth and can give us the truth. And we find the truth by being close to God and being in his word. And so what happens is the, fur- the closer we get to God, the further we get away from all the other stuff. And so we're not isolated. And when we're coming to God, which brings me to my last point, is that your life, your life, talking about the bigger picture, your life is meant to point people to God. Your life is meant to point people to God. Your life isn't meant to point people to yourself. Your life isn't meant to point people to your successes. Your life isn't meant to point people to how awesome you are. Your life isn't meant to point people to how great you are, how much you've accomplished, or the trophies that are on your wall, or your plaques, or everything. Your life isn't meant to point people to all the great things that you've done. No, no, no. Your life is meant to point people to God. Your life is meant to, to... with a giant finger, point people to God. And some of you want to do different things with your giant finger. But I'm telling you right now, your giant finger is supposed to point people right, in traffic. Like if I had a phone, never mind. Never mind right, right, so, but you're, you're, the whole point of your life is to point people to God, to let, to let the whole world know. I don't know how, why I'm even here right now other than that God came after me and did something amazing for me. I don't even know how I got here, but it's because God came and he did something amazing. I don't even deserve to be standing here. I, Brad Livingston, don't deserve to be standing here. If you saw my track record, if you knew where I came from, if you saw my past, if you were able to scroll through the Rolodex of pain and all the terrible decisions that I have, you would realize I've got no business on this platform, but God. And the worst thing I can do with my life is go, you know what? I am awesome. And then relish in how great I am. When hear me, me being here has no nothing to do with how great I am. Me being here has everything to do with how great God is. Because he's, he's the one that got me here. And so what do I do? My job isn't to point people to peace, it's to point people to God. Revelation 22, 12 through 13, it says this, look, I am coming soon. Jesus is talking, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they've done. So he says, I'm coming soon and I'm going to give to each one according to what they've done. Then he says this, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What your life is going to culminate in, what your life is ultimately going to lead to, that comes from God. Where you end up, that comes from God. And some of you are going, yeah, but, I, but it, it's, it's really about how hard I work. It's like, no, 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 it comes from, don't get me wrong, you need to work, all right? So like, don't, don't call us on Monday and be like, Brad said, I don't have to work no more. I'm just going to glorify God Sunday through Saturday. You better do that at a job. I'm not paying your bills, all right? Listen, we need to live a life that glorifies God. But here's the reality. 
And that's that God is the beginning and he is. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith, which means he, he starts it, he writes it, and he completes what he starts. And here's what I think many of us have fallen into in our life. As many of us have looked at our tragedies and we've looked at our pain and we've looked at our struggles, you've looked at your trauma, you've looked at how people have hurt you, you've looked at what you've gone through, you've looked at how people even failed you. Then you look at how all those things have led you to making decisions that you're not proud of. You look at how you pursued things you probably knew you shouldn't have pursued. You went after things you knew you shouldn't have went after. But you felt like you needed validation. Maybe you felt like you needed someone else's approval. Maybe you needed success because you felt like you, you weren't enough. And as we've gone through all of those things, we've got a picture of our life. And with this picture of our life, here's what we end up with. They're going to put a picture on the screen for me, I think. We, hopefully, this screen's been acting up, so they're going to. They're going to, this is what we end up with. Is this it? This is it, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't ever know what's going on when the computer's acting crazy. I'm going to get like a, the tunnel screensaver. Y'all remember that? <laughs> this is our life. And this isn't very pretty, is it? Some of you are like, oh, that's beautiful. No, it's not. Stop. Life for us is kind of a muddied picture of a little bit of color, a lot of darkness. And honestly, if you had this on your wall in your house, I would say, I would use the word confusion. It's like, what is, what is that? You're like, don't you see it, bro? This is art. I'm like, mm, maybe. We look at our life and it doesn't look like much. But what we fail to realize is that our life isn't a testament to the full picture. Let's look at the second picture. The first picture that you just looked at was a small glimmer of the part all the way to the right side of the screen. And I'm here to tell you today that for some of you, because all you've been able to see so far is that first frame of your life, your life pain, your life with confusion, your life with struggle, it's a little bit dark. There's not a lot of beauty to it yet, but I'm here to tell you today that this chapter of your life, though it may seem ugly, this chapter of your life, though it may seem pretty insignificant, is only a small part of the bigger picture that God is putting together for you. And for some of you, you've gone, man, I've gone through so much. I've gone through all this hurt. I've gone through all this pain. I believe you because that is what happens in life. We get into positions where we're just uncertain. And so I wanna ask you this question, are you living a life that God gets the glory out of? Are you living a life that's pointing people to God? Or are you, are you just gonna be honest and say, man, I'm just trying to stay afloat right now. I'm, kinda, I'm just trying to get through today, maybe tomorrow. For some of us, the answer to that question is a resounding no. 
But I'm here to tell you today that God's grace isn't here to put you in bondage. God's grace is here to free you so that you can go from a muddied, dark, uncertain picture to a beautiful canvas of his grace in your life. You say, my life's had too many mess ups. You don't understand, Brad. I haven't done it right. Things haven't gone well. Some of my relationships have been terrible. Some of my decisions have been wrong. We've really gone through some tough times. There's too many wrongs on my picture. And I can't see how God can get glory out of it. Well, I want to quote the ancient theologian Bob Ross. Where he says, I think it's going to just put a bird on it. (laughs) No, in all honesty. He did say that, by the way, but that's not what I was talking about. He did say this, not that I often quote Bob Ross in my sermons, but he did say this, it's the imperfections that make something beautiful. That's what makes it different and unique from everything else. You see, the hard, dark, confusing moments of your life, that's what's gonna let people know that you're a real person that dealt with real pain and watched a real God bring you out of it. Don't frown on those parts of your life. Let them be a resounding song for the generations after you to know that even when I didn't know how I was gonna get through it, I was connected to a God that was gonna get me through it. Because your life is a very small part of a much bigger picture that God is painting for the world to see. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're good to us and that, God, our life, though it may be confusing in these moments, it's actually part of something you're doing on a much grander scale, a much bigger scale. And so, God, I I pray today that we would be encouraged to know that our struggles and our hurts and our confusion, God, those things Those aren't the ultimate outcome. They're just a small part of the current picture that we're in. So God, for each one of us, I pray that you would help us realize that even in our pain and even in our dark hours, but also in our joy, also in our happiness, God, all those things are pointing people to you. But God, you would ultimately help us connect with you to see our lives make much of your name, Jesus so that the world would know I didn't get here on my own. I was connected to God and God got me here because he's good. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for you. We thank you today and we love you if you're here and you need Jesus in your life. You know, sin has separated you from God. Maybe some of those dark moments in your life has separated you from God, but you're here to say that it's, It's not the pain, it's not the dark moments that I want to define me, but I want to be connected to God. I want my sins to be forgiven and I want to be close to him again. And the beauty behind what Jesus did at the cross is when he died on the cross, he paid for your sins so that you could know him. And today, if you want to know him, today, if you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, today, if you want to be forgiven of what's in your past so that you can know God, I'm here to tell you, he's ready to meet you right where you're at. Today, he's ready to give you a fresh start and a new beginning.
And if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me out loud. And the whole church will pray it with you. By your, I say that you're not praying by yourself. Say, say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.